Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. you can grab a seat. Uh, today is a special day. Um, we are having uh, child dedications, uh, which is, is really cool. We've been in this series all about the family of God, and we actually get to celebrate that um, something that's really family oriented. It doesn't get more family than celebrating kids. Um, before we do that, I just wanted to draw your attention to, to two things. One is we have these connect cards. If you're new and you want us to know that you are here, um, this is a great way to get the relationship started. That's on one of the chairs around you. Just fill it out. Let us know you are here. And then as the plate goes by later, you can just drop this in uh, if you'd like. If you have prayer requests, you can put those on here as well. And um, our staff and our prayer team uh, pray for you. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention is uh, we have our merch tables set up. I think it's like set up once a month, but it's there today. So if you need like hats or whitewater uh, garments, I, I don't know if that's technically what they're called, but you guys can grab one, pick one up uh, today in the back. I wanted to mention that as well. So um, with that said, I'm going to invite uh, any and all the families that are having their baby or their child ded dedicated. I guess that's both child and baby, but come on up and um, let's have you guys gathered up here on, on the front of the stage. And while they're coming up, I'm just going to explain what child dedication is. If you're new to church, this might be like, oh man, is this where they bring out the goat and have the sacrifice? Yes, it is. Um, no, um, this is one of the really, really cool things. Um, and the reality uh, of our church is this. We're not an, just an organization. The church isn't an organization. It's a family. And um, I love that. These are people I get to share life with. These are actually really good friends. Um, uh, these guys have been with us actually since we started Whitewater, many of them. And many people have joined in. And uh, we're a family. And one of, the, one of the coolest things about Jesus' ministry was that he was the kind of guy that would stop his ministry uh, for the most least and unlikely people, and that included kids. A lot of times religious people want to just do religious adult, you know, uh, hey, we, we've got to do important things, and kids aren't important. Jesus would slow things down and say, look, at the kingdom belongs to, to people such as this, to little ones. And so we want to take time as a church family to celebrate the life and growth of people in our church and people connected to our church. Does that sound good? We can do that together? Okay, so simply what we're going to do is I'm going to be praying for them uh, and praying for the families, and I would ask you to be praying with me that God would help and support each and every one of the parents here and, and grandparents and uncles, cousins, as a family to raise and support these kids. And then we're going to pray a prayer blessing on the children, okay? And we're going to ask that God would give them great things and lead their lives. Um, and so that's really, really important. Um, but before I pray... Um, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to hand the microphone to each family, and they're going to introduce their family and their, the, the baby or child that's getting dedicated. And, uh, and if you could tell us uh, how old they are, too, would, be, uh, would help add context. So uh, here you go. Hey, I'm Sam. This is my wife, Trista. This is Judah. He is three. Hi. <laughs> and this is Maxwell Scott. He is four months old. And my name is Michael, and this is my wife, Kenny, and this is Livy, Livy Grace, and she is 18 months old. Hi, my name is Curtis, and this is my wife, Dustin, and this is little Ellie Jean. She's uh, eight months old. Eight months. But she likes that microphone. She's ready. 
so this is a this is a really special day um, as a church family. And so what I'm going to ask is if there's any other family or friends, uh, close friends, you guys are more than welcome to come up um, and and be right here. Uh, you know, kind of as a symbol of support. You can also film this if you want with your phones. That's fine. Or get in a spot, you can do that. And then as a church community, you might not know some of these families. This is an invitation to get to know them because we're a church that wants to support every person, every family, so that their lives are flourishing in Christ. Um, So what I'm going to ask you to do is, would you stand as a community as we pray for them? And in our community, you, we put our, uh, in something like this, we can put our hands forward. Not, you don't have to, but if you want to, you can put your hands forward. Um, it's not as an incantation or spell or anything like that. This is, uh, this, is, this is asking as a community for God's blessing on these families. So would you do that? And would you pray with me over these kids and these parents and these families? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you are our eternal, glorious Father. You love us so much. We're so grateful for your goodness, your greatness in our life. Lord, I pray right now for these families. I pray right now asking your grace and your power for these parents, Lord, through the highs and the lows of parenting, for those moments where they don't have an answer and don't know what to do. Would you sustain them? Would you give them grace? Would you help them to lift these kids up, support these children and raise them the best they know how and trust you with them, Lord? Help them to trust their lives and their kids' lives with you. And God, I, I lift up each and every one of these, of these kids, one of these babies, Lord. We, we pray that you would sustain them, that you would lead them. Heavenly Father, would you go ahead of them? Would you, um, would you mark their path? Would you guide their path, Lord? Would they come to know you in a personal and real way? Heavenly Father, we ask that you, you would bless them, God. You have called each and every one of them with unique gifts, passions, personality that their parents are going to, going to learn and love and also have to have great patience with. Heavenly Father, would you give them that patience? Would you help these kids to blossom and flourish in families of faith? We pray this as a family, as a church, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand. Thank you. Man, I remember being single... Uh, not even married yet to Sarah and uh, meeting in a home. Some of these people weren't even married yet and now they've got kids and our, our church family's growing, families are growing. It's just so wonderful to see. Um, do you mind if I just pray and thank the Lord for what he's doing in our church? Heavenly Father, we love you. Would you just, would you open our hearts right now to hear from you? Would you speak to us, Lord? Would you speak in a way that we can understand, we can, we can get, get a hold of it in our hearts and our heads? And God, would you use our lives, um, this church family's life together, to be agents of transformation in our world? Thank you for these kids. Thank you for all the, the gifts and all the people um, in our church. Each soul matters to you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Any of you guys started binge watching uh, Stranger Things? Any of you guys started start that? We started uh, watching that uh, on 4th of July. Do not spoil it. for I have not finished it. Do not spoil it for anybody. That's like a spiritual issue around here in Whitewater. Uh, can I get a show of hands? Have you guys started Stranger Things? Any of you guys, a show of hands, offended that I mentioned watching Stranger Things? 
out you. That's my father-in-law, out, no. Um, Man, uh, that, that whole show is about this, like, fam- this, this unlikely group of people that become a family. These kids who are friends, who all of a sudden like, face real darkness and evil, and they, they have this adventure, uh, kind of fighting against that. They become this unlikely family, and they pull in adults and these weird people, and you know, all, with all these idiosyncrasies. And the joy of the movie is, is you're seeing this, this family, these relationships grow and deepen as people face light and dark and um, good and bad and um, it's, this, it's this show that I, think, that I think that's why it draws us in at least that's why it draws me in and uh, we've been in this series all about joining and building and becoming the family of God now the family of God is an inclusive family it, like, like all kinds of people can join this family the inclusive family of God is a, is a diverse and unlikely family it's also a transforming family like each each of us here that are here, like we're, we're here for some reason, you know, in our mind, I'm here because of that person's here and I'm, I really need a husband or a wife, you know, maybe that's why you're here or you're like, this person dragged me here or maybe you just, you love it here and you're, you're, you're part of the family and you love Whitewater. You know, we're all here for different reasons and God has us on different paths, but we're all moving towards Jesus and God is transforming us. When you, got, you know what I mean about transforming? It's like, I'm, I'm glad where I'm at right now on my walk, but I know I have a long way to go, but thank God I am, I'm with him and I'm here, right? So we're, I'm not fully transformed, I'm not perfect, but man, God is transforming me and I'm so grateful to be part of a church like this. Today, what I wanted to talk about was to be an inclusive family. And, and don't get me wrong, an inclusive family does not mean... That, that we have to exchange truth for just love. Like it's truth and love is at the heart of an inclusive family. And we're not always going to agree with one another. But the most important things we do agree on, we agree that we are a Jesus-centered church, learning to look and become more like Jesus in our love and our truth. Uh, today I wanted to talk about an inclusive community is a, is a community that learns to enter the world of other people. Like, do you know to change someone's world, you have to enter their world? Jesus is the example. I mean, he is the, the most amazing example of this. So I wanted to get us started with this thought. I've noticed this, that it's in our culture, I don't know why, but it seems at times for easier for people to receive inclusion and belonging. And it seems harder for us as a community, like in a world we live in, it seems harder for people to give inclusion and belonging to others. Because sometimes we like to put conditions on belonging and inclusion and love, don't we? Um, but a Jesus community is learning to not only receive belonging and get excited about belonging ourselves, but also to give that to other people. I've had conversations with people who have been cr- uh, Christian for 60, 70 years, and they're like, George, I love the church, I love receiving belonging, but now, like, when I come in here, like, not everybody comes and talks to me the way I want them to, and I, I think they should be more inclusive. I'm like, how long have you been coming here? Oh, for a few years? How old are you? I'm, well, I don't want to talk about how old I am, but I'm in my 60s. I'm like, don't you think it's time that you start engaging other people and giving belonging to them and not just expecting other people to come to you? And it's this flip that needs to happen in our hearts for us to actually live into the vision, become the vision of an inclusive community. We have to give inclusion to other people. So here's an assignment for us today. We're going to have a little assignment. Um, We'll see how this goes. Uh, I'm going to have you all stand up. Go ahead and stand up for a second. 
You guys are like, oh man. I remember being, you know, uh, sitting in a seat and being like, oh man, the pastor's got, he's making me get up. This is so lame. All right, so here's what I want you to do is I, I want you to greet people, maybe some people you don't know, but I want you to greet them in a particular way. There's two assignments to this assignment, two things we're going to do. The first is greet them as if they don't belong here and you don't care about them and they're not important. Okay, ready? Go. They're not important to you, so go ahead and greet each other. Stop, 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 stop. There shouldn't be this much talking if they're not important to you. All right, they're not important now. Let's flip that. Let's flip that. And let's greet those same people or maybe some new people as if like they're the most important person in the world and as if they're like long lost family that you love and you're so glad to see them. Ready, go. Have a seat, all you friendly people. Man, you guys are taking that serious. Like, some of you, some of you, like introverts, were like, I like the first way better. That was much more. You're so excited to like look past somebody or just barely recognize their existence. Some of you guys were like, you couldn't, you couldn't contain yourself. You were still hugging people in the first exercise. You, I guess that's probably a win. But I'm like, you failed the assignment. What did we learn? What was the difference between the first way of welcoming and belonging, including people, and the second way? What happened the first way? What's that? The first way, what happened? Awkward. Uncomfortable. Why? Because they're not important and they're like too, they're up in your grill, right? What happens when they're not important to you and they don't belong? How do you greet them differently? No eye contact. And we're losing that as a, like, there's so much screen, you know, like screen time that we're losing, like, actual face time. Sometimes we don't make eye contact. But, like, there's no eye contact if you're, if they're not important, you're not wanting to connect, or you're wanting to let them know that I need to sit and this is my space. What else? Anything else? What's that? No physical contact. There was a huge difference between the first greeting and the second greeting. I saw this kind of like, hey, or just kind of like a quick, or there are two people up here. I saw you two, and you just went like this. You went like this to each other. You went. (laughs) And you know what happened the second time? You both were like. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But when you have that like, uh, is this awkward? Like physically, you can tell. Okay, the, the second greeting, what was the, some of the biggest differences or changes? Welcoming. How do we know it was welcoming? What was the difference? Warmth, like love, joy. How do you quantify joy? Smile, people are smiling. I saw some people going, hey, 
and like going up to the extroverts that were like this and just like picking them up and hugging. How many of you guys hugged an extrovert, lifted them up? They needed it. They won't admit it, but they needed it. Um, uh, there was, there was, it was demonstrated, there was demonstrated love of like hugging or shaking of hands, eye contact. You know, the room got like four times louder. And all of a sudden, boom, the, the room went up. When there was real inclusion, we were treating each other like family. You know, to change someone's world, you have to enter their world. Inclusion, it, it necessitates initiative. Um, love takes the initiative. I want to go to our primary text for today in 1 John 4, 9 to talk about what an inclusive family looks like when we enter someone's world and we live like Jesus, when we become Christ-like for people. Um, in, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, that's going to be our primary text. Um, if you have your Bible, you can, you can read this or you can follow up on the screen behind me. But it says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Like underline that. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. I love this passage because it's just so clear on who Jesus is, who God is, and who we are, and who we can become. So I want to simplify this. I love that, if you notice, this is real love in verse 10. Not that we loved God, but that who loved who first? He loved us. So who took the initiative? God did. God took the, when we were unlovable and acting unloving, he loved us. Whether you, hey, here's the reality. Whether you like it or not, God loves you. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Uh, God loves us first. And if we want to be like God, love takes the initiative. Love takes the initiative. And now, at the beginning of this um, passage, says that God showed how much he loved us by sending his son to the world, Right? So, so that he would lead us to eternal life. Many times we live in a world that, that reads this, translates it a little differently for their family or their life because they've been through brokenness, hurt, pain, or other people. They just see such the mess out there. And they might read this a little differently. They might read instead of, uh, for God showed how much he loved us, they'll read, for God showed how much he hated us by sending his one and only son into the world that he might condemn and distance himself from us. You know, John 3.16, the same guy who wrote this book is the same guy who wrote John. There's John, 1 John, 2 John. It goes, he's the same guy. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world. Many people read that differently. They say, for God so hated the world that he sent his son to judge and condemn. And here's the challenge. We, we have a temptation, and I would say this is the reality. We live in a world where Christians often can slip into two equal and opposite errors. Condemning the world or conforming to the world when Jesus calls us to live a life of compassion in the world. So we can become people who 
condemn the world and want to distance ourselves because it's bad. And so people will, will separate from the world and Christians will live outside of it in a, way, in a posture that feels condemning, a posture that says you're not good enough and, and we're superior or I, I, can't, I can never be around that. And I know there's people in their minds who are like, but boundaries are healthy sometimes. Yes, we need boundaries and limits sometimes. But that's not the general rule of what God came to do. Came to do. God sent his son into the world, into the broken mess of our world. And often we, we can slip into this error of condemning the world, and the other error would be what? Conforming to the world, becoming like the world, having no difference from the world. And, and often like the ones who are condemning the world are frustrated with Christ, Christians who have conformed to it, and so it, it confirms their bias of saying that we need to separate completely from the world, and we need to draw ourselves out and draw everyone else, and we just need to like kind of give truth bombs to that world. Um, this last week, I, we were at... Um, Fourth of July weekend, and and uh, we did this picnic with our with with people in our church, and it was so fun. And there was like this three legged race, and my daughter and I were going to do it. And so uh, they all got all the adults up, and we and and we all partnered with our kids. And and I got her next to me, and we were practicing like the three legged thing. And I was like, Oh no, we're going to win this. Um, and I wanted to make sure that we had fun. And so there's nothing that says fun like when the pastor cheats. <laughs> And so they said, go! And I picked my daughter up, and I just ran with her. <laughs> I was like, boom, boom. And she was like, no, we're cheating. She, she's a rule follower. And I, we just went down, and we went back. And all these people were like, boo, you're cheating. And leader Matt was like, what happened in the Old Testament when someone cheated? And the kids are like, we don't know. And he's like, they stoned them. And they're like, what? He's like, get the water balloons. <laughs> and so they attacked me with water balloons and it was so funny it was like they were I was condemned and they were throwing and hitting me with these water balloons and most of them not breaking on me just hitting me and bruising my internal organs and bouncing off you know and they were like and it's like we live in this world where like the we want to separate ourselves and the way we're going to change the world we're going to throw these truth bombs at them repent you're condemned you're wrong you're this you're that and 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 Jesus entered the world and it was like he, he entered the waters that people swim, the murky, broken, like toxic, polluted waters to bring people in, on this rescue mission, not this like revenge mission, this retribution mission. It was a rescue mission. And I, I just, I marvel at God's love. He took the initiative and he entered our world. And it says that, in verse 10, he says that we didn't love God, but he loved us first and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So what does that mean for God to take away our sins? First Peter 2.24 gives us a little insight on this. It says, he, being Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Jesus was a sacrifice that bore our sins, that took our sins away. And... Um, Use an illustration. It might be silly, and you can forget it if it's not helpful. It's helpful for me. I um, I have this brother named Evan. Some of you guys know him. And he married this gal named Gabby, and they're like super cool. They're always like they know the trends way before me and Sarah do. Um, but they'll have like these funny things because they're also like really kind of organic and everything's like really healthy. And I'll go over and I'll like eat Doritos and watch them eat healthy food, and um, they're they're really incredible. But one day, like I was like, man, I'm really thirsty, and so they took a jar of water and. They're like, here, have some of our water. And I looked, and there was like this chunk of something nasty inside the water. Have you guys ever seen this before? 
Some of you, you hippies, no, I'm just kidding, I'm joking. Like, I'm from Bellingham, so like this is what I grew up with, this kind of stuff. And I was like, what is this chunk? They're like, yeah, it, it purifies the water. I'm like, what is it? Like, it's charcoal, it's activated charcoal. I'm like, activated charcoal? Where, who sold you this? Like, it, it cleans water. You put it in the water and it pulls the toxins and the pollutants out and it purifies the water. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, the, the, who sold this to you? And they're like, yeah, there's, we learned about it online. And there's people, I'm like, yeah, because online everything's true. And uh, did they sell you some magic beans that sprout up? And, and uh, they're like, no, this is what happens. And they, uh, they, they showed me how it works. And the, the way it works, you just take this and you put it in the water. And slowly over a few hours, it, it actually purifies the water. I'm like, that's crazy. This cool charcoal, this is from Japan, I think, you know? And there's part of me that was like, I don't care if it's like from Norway, I'm not gonna put it in my water. They're like, no, try it. So I drank it with this charcoal in there and it was amazing. It tasted so good. I mean, there could have still been pollutants and they would have fooled me, but it was, it was good. And when, G, when it says that Jesus was sent into our world um, to bear our sins to, as a sacrifice, this is what it means. Jesus entered our world world, our broken world. And, and just like this jar of water, I mean, it looks pretty clear. And our world can look actually pretty good. It can look pretty clear. But would you agree with me that when you get closer and you really look at people's lives and you look at the structures, you look at businesses, you look at government, can we agree that there's brokenness in the world? And the world we live in is very broken. And there's toxins and, there's toxins and pollutants and all kinds of stuff that whether we see it right away or not. I mean, sometimes it's really obvious and it's really like this is sludge. I mean, this is really very obvious that's broken. And I mean, our, in people's marriages and systems and businesses and all kinds of stuff. But it, on a personal level, people's minds emotionally and uh, relationally and uh, people's bodies are broken. I mean, my, my grandma, um, she grew up in a home where her mom actually uh, went through mental illness. When her son died at age 17, he fell and hit his neck playing basketball and just seemed like a normal you know, thing. And then a few days later, he died of spinal meningitis. And um, my grandma remembers him walking up, kind of staggering from school a few days after the, the accident, and then him just collapsing and her dad running out to him. And uh, from that point on, she was never the same. And a lot of her anger and bitterness was poured out onto my grandma, and they had a really tough relationship. It took years for her to, to forgive. And Jesus, it says, was sent into our broken world, sacrificed himself, lived in this world, and with his truth and with his love, and it's never more, more exemplified than when Jesus was on the cross being murdered for being good. That he was not only drawing all people to himself and including an unlikely group of people, he was also drawing in their sin, their toxins, their pollutants, their death, their, um, their unhealth. Drawing that into himself. He bore our sin. Are you with me? And he looked so insignificant, Right? He didn't look like anything special. The Bible teaches that. He didn't, he didn't look like anything special. In fact, he, he angered the world. He angered the water that he came to purify and to help and to cleanse. And our church, we have a mission in our church to be like Christ. Some of you guys have heard that. Christ-like. That we should be Christ-like. We should be like Jesus. We're not called to be Jesus. To be like Jesus. 
And when it talks about that, when the Bible talks about being Christ-like, or when we talk about being Christ-like, what it, what it means isn't just that we're happy people all the time or that we just do good things all the time. It's talking about the Jesus pattern that we enter other people's world to bring life and light and point them to Jesus, the great sin bearer. Now, a little kid probably just heard me. He's like, the sin bearer? Ah, you know, like, no, the sin bearer. Just making sure we're clear on that. But let me read, read this. This is our mission state, our vision statement at Whitewater. And I'm going to just break it down um, the rest of the sermon. We are sent by God into a broken world to bring the whole person and the whole community into a flourishing life with God. On your notes, point number one. God sends us into a broken world. God sends us into a broken world. John 20, verse 21, explains what that means. Like, what does that mean? And Jesus said this, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And John 4, 9, God showed how much he loved the world by sending his one and only son into the world. How many of you guys agree again? The world is broken. Why would he send his son there? Like, why wouldn't he just condemn how wicked and broken and polluted the world is? Because he loves it. He didn't see how much he hated the world. It was how much he loved the world and wanted to redeem that which wanted to be redeemed and would respond to him. I think this is what Romans 12.1 means when it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing. This is your true act of worship. It's entering the world of others. We are called to enter the broken world of other people. That we are sent into their world. Your life, my life. We might not look significant. We not, might not look like much. And we have brokenness in our... And we're not perfect. We're just like charcoal that's thrown into the, into the jar. Into someone's world. God wants to use your life, my life, to bless others. And the way he does it is through our brokenness. And we get sent in. And how many of you guys know that when we are sent into brokenness, that we begin absorbing other people's pain, other people's hurt? How many of you guys know that? Fathers and mothers who have blended families. How many of you guys have seen this when your family began to blend and you entered the world of your stepson or stepdaughter's life? That toxic anger and hurt from what had happened to them most probably not of your doing at all, was put on you. Has anybody experienced that? Have any of us had a, a, a stepmom or stepdad or a mentor figure that entered our lives and we put our toxins and our pollutants into them? They didn't deserve it. We just, we're angry, we're hurt, we have contempt, we have, you know, and we're just putting that in them. There's this absorption of hurt, pain, of the toxins and the pollutants of our life. And here's the thing, like, when, when you have toxic water and your world is toxic and your world is broken, Jesus looks broken to you. Where the religious people like, yay, Jesus has come. So excited, Jesus, we're so excited that you came in. Where the religious people were like, we've been waiting. We're so glad you're here. Take all our power, we're giving it to you. Take all our leadership, we're giving it to you. We want to exalt you. How, was that the reaction of the religious leaders? No, their, their religious system was so broken that Jesus looked broken to them. So much so that they rejected him. They were so toxic and polluted that Jesus looked like he was, a, he was toxic and a pollutant to them. 
So what'd they do to Jesus? They killed him, put him on a cross. And in their brokenness and in their breaking of Jesus, God blessed the world and purified the world and drew the world to him. Isn't that unbelievable? That's the message of the gospel. And you and I now are sent like him in the world of other people. And how many of you guys have noticed that when you get sent into a broken family or a broken friend's world or into a broken church's world, like where we're actually sent into each other's world, you cannot change someone's world without entering their world. How many of you have noticed that it's not like people are like, thank you for entering my brokenness. I'm so happy you're here with love and truth. Come on now. You notice that like their brokenness gets put on you. Sometimes your brokenness gets put on them. One of the most beautiful things is when someone goes and they, they take the charge and they're sent into someone's world. And I say yes to God sending them. And they, they take on the brokenness, but beyond that, they see the transformation that can occur. And we can't be Jesus for people, but we can be like him to point to him. We can't be Christ, but we can become Christ-like. It's really interesting, this, um, this charcoal, one of the things I learned about it is um, it has to be boiled to be activated. Like you, it's got to be like boiled, put through heat to be activated. And every two weeks, it has to be reactivated, reboiled, so that it pulls the toxins out. And if it's not, if it's just left in there, like it'll basically start taking on the properties of the water rather than changing the properties of the water. Now think about that for a second. We can't be Christ, but we're called to be Christ-like. But you and I, on our own, can't be in the world of other peoples without like, having those moments where we have to kind of get boiled back up. We have to kind of be revitalized by the God's spirit. And to, like, that's why our community, our family is so important. When we come and gather on Sundays and then we scatter to the week, when we gather, that's our time to kind of boil and, 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 and kind of get fired back up and re-energized and reactivated so we can get sent back out into the world that God has called us to and the people that matter to him and matter to us. And if we don't do that, what happens when we're not reactivated over and over? When we think, oh, we can handle this on our own. We don't need to be reactivated. We don't need to come back together. We don't need each other. What happens to the charcoal when it just lives as if like, oh, it'll be fine, it just stays in the water, when we just stay in the water in the world of other people. Compassion fatigue. We get so tired that we often start conforming. We don't look any different than the water. We take on its properties. We don't give it new properties. We'll, or sometimes like some charcoal will start to float to the surface and withdraw itself from the world it was sent into. And God has sent you to places and to people that only you can reach. And he wants to do it through your life. He doesn't need you. He, just, he wants you. He wants to use your life. And all it's broken is my life. And all it's broken, he wants to use us and send us into the world to see life and transformation. Amen? But we got to make sure that we're coming back together. and re, you know, that, That's where confession and forgiveness and realignment and honesty and truth and love in our own life reactivates us and God sends us back out into the world, gathered and scattered and gathered and scattered over and over. I just think that's a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. And that's what this broken world needs. Number two, 
God sends us into a broken world to bring the whole person into a flourishing life with God. He wants us to reach the whole person, to care about the whole, but not just like the relational side, the spiritual side, not just their intellectual side, but their emotional side, all of them, the whole person. Jesus didn't come to just get bits and pieces of broken people. He came for all of it. He wants us all. You know, I think there's an important distinction that needs to be made. Um, Conditional love says this. Conditional love says they have to change their world for me to enter their world. We put a condition. I'll enter that world if they change themselves. Unconditional love, the love that comes from Jesus says, I have to enter their world to be part of changing their world. How do you guys know that you have to earn the right sometimes to be heard? You have to earn the right to be present sometimes. There's situations, just your presence being there, even without words, when someone's going through great pain, great loss, great grieving, just being there is like you're, you're all of a sudden changing the water. Somehow the Spirit of God is using your life. You're like, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Well, it's better than pelting people with water balloons of truth. Enter their world. Parents, enter the world of your kids. We, we, we live in a world where kids are dying in their worlds. They're, di- they don't, like they're dying on the vine and they just need a parent to be with them. So hey, I'm with you. Over and over and over, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. I'm with you. Empathize with them. Oh yeah, I went through something like that. Empathize. I'm with you and God will use you. God will give you the words. Trust him because we want to bring the whole person into a flourishing life with God. Amen? Um, the absorbing is hard. I remember uh, a few weeks ago we went to, um, oh, what's it called? I just forgot the name of it. It's uh, the wilderness thing for kids out in Graham. Northwest Trek. We went out there. We brought my cousins. It was so fun. The boys went wild out there. The bedline boys. My cousin has all these boys. And my daughter was learning to be a wild bedline with them. And they were just doing all kinds of fun, crazy things. And my boy got into like the little creek that uh, they have for the kids, this little creek area. And he absorbed into his di- diaper all this. But he had already absorbed other water from his own body into his, di- his diaper. So when we got down to take the Northwest Trek, like you actually go on these like uh, on these little buses that they have and they take you through the wilderness. You see bison, you see elk, you see caribou, you see all this stuff and it's really fun. The kids were loving it. And in the middle of that, all of a sudden I realized that my boy, his diaper was like, he had absorbed all it could absorb. <laughs> and it all of a sudden just started reabsorbing into me, like osmosis and I just started sucking into my body. A little bit of water, lots of urine. And it just started spreading all over. And I could feel, I was like, oh my gosh, Sarah, can you want to take him? She's like, no, I'm not taking any of that on me. It's your turn. And I was like, ah, and I couldn't set him anywhere because then the, the urine would, and it would be absorbed into someone. I, I wanted to hand it to my cousin, but he knew that trick. And I was like, I just had to, I looked at strangers and they were like all looking away, you know. I was like, ah, I got I to gotta absorb this. So I took it for the team and my whole body absorbed every ounce of what was in his diaper all those little beads that like collected were like, here, here, here is this gift. And I left and my boy was dry. Didn't need a new diaper ch- you know, change. He was like, his diaper was dry. It was great. It was, ready, it was ready to reload. 
And I was walking just like squish, my whole side, squish, and I smelled so bad. And uh, when we absorb things, it, we absorb it. We gotta, we gotta recharge, we gotta come back to the Lord. I had to wash my clothes, man. Um, but transformation happens. Let me um, finish with, with uh, this last point. God sends us into a broken world to bring the whole community into a flourishing life with God. We as a church are called as a family to be sent into the world of our community. In fact, there's a a verse from um, Jeremiah 29. It says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile, to which I have sent you in exile. You can see this is to the Jewish people in this, in this age, they're being exiled, going to a place they didn't want to go, uh, in a way, to a people they didn't want to be with. They were sent into their world as slaves. And God says, seek your enemy's peace. Seek the peace and prosperity of this city that you don't want to be in with people you don't like. Seek their peace. And it says, pray to the Lord for it. And what's it? The city, right? It's their community. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. If it has peace, you will have peace. And there's something like echoed from Old Testament to New Testament. There's this Jesus pattern where we are Christ-like when we are sent into a broken world and into the worlds of individuals, but also into the world of a community. And what God does is he takes these broken pieces of our church, you and me, and like a lot of you guys, I mean, you look great you guys have all kinds of things that look great. You look real clear. But when you get closer, maybe your friends and your family members probably would be the ones that could tell you. But there's some brokenness in your life and my life. And we don't look that special to the world. But when Jesus grabs a hold of us, when God grabs a hold of us, he, he sent his son for us to teach us to be sent by God. And not only into the individual life, but into our community. God wants to scatter our church into the community. Almost like, like a dandelion. When you see all those seeds that get blown, it was one thing. And then it gets blown into the, the world and it plants all these seeds. That's what God wants to do with our church. He sends us into the world. And here's the biggest shift that has to occur. Like for our church to be a church that enters the world of other people to see the, their worlds change. Rather than make the world change so that we'll enter it. For that to happen, one of the biggest shifts is this mentality. We have to shift our mind from feeling like I am stuck in my world to being sent into my world. I'm stuck in this world of my work. I'm stuck in this awful world of my business. I'm stuck in this world as a student, in this world of my school. I'm stuck with the world of my family. I'm stuck with the world of my neighborhood that I'm in. And, and friends, if we can shift that mentality and say, no, no, no. When, when Christ transforms you and is transforming you, all of a sudden it changes from I'm stuck here to no, God has sent me here into this world to become like Christ. So all of a sudden our church, these little bits and pieces like this charcoal get sent in like it's not you're you're not stuck in this world of business you're sent into that world of business to start changing the water to start changing the world and all of a sudden you're you're not stuck in this neighborhood you're sent there to help be an agent of change you're not stuck with your family you're sent into that family you guys are looking at your in-laws saying okay i'm sent here this is good this is great and you you know what they were sent to you into your world Those of you who are students, 
those of you who are in government, those of you who are teachers, those of you who are whatever you are sent there. Maybe it's a season, maybe it's a lifetime. I don't, you know, I don't know, but God is sending you. And are you going to embrace being stuck or are you going to embrace being sent? Because I know one person can do a little, like a drop of water. But when you have a whole torrential downpour of lots of droplets, hundreds and thousands and millions of droplets start, start pouring, all of a sudden you have a river. And a river, wherever a river goes, it brings flourishing. It changes the atmosphere. And we like this charcoal. It's like a few of us can do a few things, but when many of us change our mindset and we don't, we don't just think our job and our life is just like something we're stuck with, but that God wants to use it and send us into it over and over and we get recharged over and over to get sent back in, that's when the community and the whole person begin to have a flourishing life. How do you know when the water starts to flourish and change? It's when it becomes really clear. It's when the nature of it becomes sweet, becomes healthy. It's when it becomes life-giving. It's like when I drank it for that first time, not wondering if this was poison water. All that they're saying, it's my, my sermon's over. <laughs> you start drinking this stuff. And it's clear. Do you know the word, with the word peace in that passage I just read you, but seek the peace of the city? You know what word that is? It's the word shalom in the Hebrew, shalom. It means, it's much greater than our peace, which in America we think lack of violence, lack of conflict. Shalom is peace within yourself, in your mind, in your heart, in your emotions, within your, with your past. Learning to have peace within, having peace with others, peace with God, and peace with your world. I mean, it's just like that's shalom. Do you know what the closest word in the English language is for shalom? Flourishing. Flourishing. Healthy in every dimension, every aspect of our life. And friends, when we are sent into the world, God will use us to bring flourishing life to our communities and our friends and even our enemies. Amen? Amen. So, will you be sent? And to whom has God sent you? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We're so grateful for you. Would people leave this place today knowing that they are sent by you to see the whole person and the whole community brought into a flourishing life with you, God? Would you empower them? Would you send them? Would you inspire them? God, we want to be sent by you. In Jesus' name, amen.